This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I am Brent Wilsey, and thank you for joining us this morning. With me is Chase Wilsey. Good morning, Chase. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Doing well. we got a lot to talk about today, a lot of things going on last week. And, you know, I, I've been doing this for well over 40 years. And, and it, it just, you know, doing it for that long, it's still as exciting. It's still something new going on. You never know what's going to happen. It's good times, bad times. Uh, we have seen a pullback this past week. Um, so we'll see if we kind of, and that's kind of funny on Friday. I don't know if you can call that a pullback. Well, (laughs) one day, you know, (laughs) you know, I was talking to a client, uh, uh, the other day too, and they've been with us like five years and so happy. I said, you know, I got to remind you, I said there, there are times in investing when things will be down for six, 12, maybe 18 months. And I said, we got to remember back in 2000, back in 2008, I said, this is normal for investing to have these type of pullbacks. And and I'm afraid a lot of people, especially young people, I think, oh, everything goes up. That after they don't even last a year, let alone a month. Yeah, I mean, it's it, kind of forget about the past, I guess, and you, you live in the most recent times. And it's like, wow, this is just great. I made 26 percent last year. I'm not saying that's what we did. Just full disclosure <laughs> there. I'm just wow, you know, it's so great, so great. And you forget that. Things can pull back, but it doesn't mean that it's a a bad business, that it's a bad time to invest. It just means that you're having a little bit of volatility. And, you know, I was was watching Fox Business yesterday, and they were talking about, well, because the the anchor was talking about a correction, and the the guy on was like, (laughs) well, correction's a pullback of 10%. We're still not near that. (laughs) I I know (laughs) what you're watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And it reminds me of a 10% correction and 20% bear market, which we kind of forgot about those, especially – and again, I'm glad to see last year with the pandemic because that was, it wasn't your normal correction type thing or yeah, even the normal bear market. Bear market yeah, the normal bear market at all. But it, it it just worries me. And this is where, when I look back over doing this for 40 years, I've seen a lot of different things. And people don't even remember the banking crisis back in the 1990s. Now, if you're around in your, I'll say in the late 50s or early 60s, you probably do remember the bank crisis. But I mean, younger people now they're just buying into it. You know, thinking, oh, this is great. Stocks do nothing but go up. And if they do pull back, uh, just buy them because next week they'll yeah. be up again. So Yeah, 2% decline, that's a buying opportunity. Yeah. You know? Oh, and I get so irritated on, on when I watch Fox Business. They have some commentator on or, or some a pundit, I guess you want to call them, whatever. Uh, and they come on like, yeah, you know, Apple's down, you know, $5. Yeah, it's a buying opportunity. It's down. Buy it now before it goes up. Like, come on, guys. Are you just getting the business here or what? It's just terrible. So. Yeah. I, yep. I agree. Let's talk about a buying opportunity. The 10-year Treasury dropped below 1.3% this past week over concerns about the economic outlook slowing down and the new Delta variant of COVID-19. Um, all that money is still in the economy, so I, I do not believe we'll have a slowdown. And that, this is one thing that we just talked about. It does happen. But one thing that prevents it from happening is a lot of money in the economy, which is what we have right now. Yeah, and, and that, that's the big thing. And the Fed's talked about remaining accommodative yeah. for now. 
Yeah, <laughs> say four now. now because <laughs> the moment I think they start to pull back on that, I think is when you're going to see some volatility or even more volatility. But we'll have to see what it, what occurs over the next few months. But the other thing, too, is we look at that COVID-19, the Delta variant. I mean, most everything that we've heard and read about <clears throat> that variant says the vaccine is effective. And even to take it a step further, somebody on social media be like, oh, that's fake news. That's not true. <laughs> and I said, I don't know what you're <clears throat> seeing or reading, but from what I'm seeing is at the very least, the vaccine is very effective in keeping people out of the hospital yep. and also keeping people from dying. So it means maybe you can still contract COVID-19. Again, I'm not a scientist, but maybe you can still contract it, but it's definitely not a severe case like we were seeing last year for some people. So Yeah, and I think that's one thing we really got to point out, too, is that, uh, and again, we're not scientists, we're analysts, but we analyze data is what we do. But it's it, COVID-19 is not going away. That's a virus that is going to stay here with us now. But the thing you have well, to COVID's do— COVID's been around for decades. Yeah, but but, but now, it's like, now it's like prevalence out yeah. there. And it's going to be part of life, and you're going to have people that do get COVID-19. Um, but you, you, we, we got it controlled is what we have with, a, yeah. with, with what we've done. So uh, you can't like, oh my gosh, you know, let's shut down the economy again. Should I? No, I mean we, we got the vaccine out there. Um, I don't even see the cases any longer, the death rates. Um, but but it's almost like they want to bring back something else, and they're like, oh, but now with 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 this new variant, the 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 Delta variant, oh, it's gonna bring everything back. No, it's not gonna bring everything back. I mean, we've already had several other variants, and oh, I swear we, oh, the South South African variant, that one's coming now, right. and it's gonna be terrible. Oh, now we have another variant, and it's just like, oh my gosh, just drop it. You know, they just want to keep scaring people about. Yeah, we're we're never gonna get out of this, and and that's just not true, as you said. We're going to live with this thing. It's They're right. It's not going to disappear, <laughs> but it's not going to be mayhem for right. the rest of our lives. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, we, we got to so. keep co- closing the economy down. But what one thing this did do is actually did create, uh, you know, if you have some cash on the sidelines, and, and, and we don't tell people exactly what we're doing, but we did say back early in the year, like, yeah, we're not buying very much. Yeah. Well, we, every Monday, over all the numbers of all the companies, and we watch them very closely, we have our formulas that we do, which, by the way, we'll talk about this, we share at the workshop. Um, but now we've had some companies that went back on the buy list. Uh, and I think I just started, I'm going to say, two, three weeks ago, maybe. I'd, I'd say, yeah, about, yeah, about that. And then what are two men well, But the hard thing is, and that's where people just get so misguided, I'd say, mm-hmm. is there were companies that we bought, I'd say, a month ago when the market was going up because our company pulled back and then that company went up and now it's like, Oh, now we can't buy that anymore. And that's why we buy companies is it presents different opportunities at different times. People think like, Oh, you can only buy when the market goes down. No, we, we will look for yeah. the companies pulling back. Yeah. So I, I, to answer your question was I think in, in mass when instead of just buying one company at a time, we were able to buy like two or three companies. I think that did happen about three weeks ago. Right. And, and actually it's happened like one or two comes mm-hmm. on, one or two comes on. So, and this is what we talk about knowing your businesses, knowing your companies. And this is why we spend so much time doing the research. And, and, and it's also too why I tell individual investors, you know, we're not super geniuses, but it's because we do this every single day, every single week. And if you're on top of this, you can do it. But I, I, I'm sorry to say most people after a month of, well, and actually two or three months, we had to do the same thing. And, and there's companies I said, we've been doing the same thing for 10 years in that company. People are like, well, that's boring. I'm not going to yeah. do that any longer. But that's what it takes. It's the fundamentals. And I always talk about in football, the the linemen, how their whole job is within about a four-year or four-yard uh, four box there. And they do that over and over again. They start in Pop Warner. They could be doing that same box area for 
what, 20, 30 yeah. years. Same thing with fundamental investing. It's the same thing, but, you, but you're looking for something there that may not pop up for, for six, 12 months. Gosh, I got way off track here. Um, but the thing I wanted to say was uh, be on the lookout for reasonable buying opportunities and, and actually energy. Uh, I was surprised we, we did start going back to the energy this week. Yeah, yeah, and energy was hot at the beginning of the year, and we finally got that opportunity. But, you know, kind of speaking about that buying opportunity, as we said, uh, I don't think a 2% pullback in the market by any means yeah, is a, yeah. a buying opportunity. But the reason, again, getting off track a little bit, but the reason is that the big tech, it's really gone up and not pulled back as much as some other stocks. And I just think big tech, you're going to see it. It kind of went up and then it pulled back. And yeah. I think it's just going to go nowhere. I think it's going to keep doing this little trade back and forth, back and forth for some time. So I, I just don't think buying big tech is, is going to be beneficial. Buying the energy, buying the financials. Mm -hmm. Financials are another one. As the 10-year the note pulled back, they, they kind of had a, uh, I think they had a, <laughs> their correction pulling back more than 10%, many of them. To that's a, right. a buying opportunity, in my opinion, and that's the point I want to bring up too. It's not the market. We don't we don't look at the market. We're talking about uh, it's a, a, not a stock market, but a market of stocks. And 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 this past uh, we'll say a few weeks here, we've had companies that have had their 10, 15 percent pullback. That's the opportunity. That's why you got to watch this with a, a a magnifying glass to to really see well what is going on here. And so the companies that we're buying, I don't want to say, oh, they're down 2%. No, they're down some 10 I think some were down 15%. No. Like, yes, now we can go and buy that company. So they had their own 10% correction. That's what you got to look out for, those companies with that 10% correction. And driving in this morning, Saturday morning, freeway packed with people, energy is not going away. And, you know. Yeah, and I, I did a segment on Fox 5 this past week, and I was looking at one refining company. And they actually, of course, do your, your traditional refining, the gasoline, the diesel, the jet fuel. Yeah. But they also produce asphalt. And that's what we keep saying is these these energy companies aren't <laughs> stupid. You know? I know. It. I don't think they're going to stop producing asphalt. And it could be a benefactor from the uh, infrastructure play. But the point is you have to understand those businesses. And, and as you said, energy is not going anywhere. But talking back again about the, the buying opportunity is be patient with it. As, yeah. as you said, a 2% pullback is not, wow, this is the best opportunity ever. You could see continued volatility. I think we're going to see continued volatility throughout the summer. So don't think you have another down day. Okay, I'm going to invest 100% of my money. Yep. And that's it. Yeah, and that's another thing, too, is that we're, we're very patient. Like, yeah, let's do a little bit this week. And, and it, we're not in a rush. Like, oh, let's spend all the cash. Like, oh, let's do a little bit of time. And uh, we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but and again, if we do buy a company, we'll say ten dollars a share. Well, it was down from twelve, and then went to nine fifty. Yeah, that's okay. We're looking at where will it be six, twelve, eighteen months from now. Very important. Yeah, and I, I think that the best way I put our approaches were methodical. Yeah. You know, sometimes we'll miss things. It, it it might go down, then it might bounce back up. But we know that there's going to be other opportunities. And the reason I want to bring this up is just I laugh with you know Bitcoin. Bitcoin, Bitcoin when it was above sixty thousand and it fell down to like fifty five thousand. I remember people, oh, this is a buying opportunity, <laughs> and it went from fifty five thousand down to, oh, this is a buying opportunity, then fifty thousand down to, oh, this is a buy. <laughs> My point is, you don't get unlimited buying opportunities because <laughs> right. you only have so much cash. Yeah, that's why you got to be patient with your cash, <clears throat> wait for the good opportunities, and you know sometimes as I said you miss things, but then guess what? The nice thing is when you buy businesses. You can find other businesses down the road. They're going to be yeah. also good opportunities. So <clears throat> the whole point is be patient with your cash. 
don't feel like you need to be in a rush to invest it. And, and that's why I used to say, be patient. So uh, let, let's move on because we all heard of Robinhood. And <clears throat> I pointed out before that Robinhood, the, uh, the IPO for Robinhood looks very, very risky. Another fact that I read came from FINRA is that Robinhood's account base did jump, listen to this, to $18 million in Q1 2021 from 12.5 million accounts in Q1 of 2020. I mean, the crazy part of this is that company has roughly 13 million additional accounts with no funds in them. So these are things they're talking about, like, oh, these accounts we have, but actually a lot of those accounts are not making money for that. And I'm not sure if you have the answer for this, but do they count those when they talk about all the accounts? Do they count the 13 million when they're like, oh, we have all these accounts? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's included. When they talk about account openings and accounts they have, yeah, they, they include those, even though there's no funds in them. That's, yeah. that's again, looking at the details, understanding what's going on. So, yeah, they do include those when they say accounts open. And the thing that we look at is we open accounts for our clients at you know Charles Schwab. It takes a lot of time sometimes. <laughs> it takes like... <laughs> You know, 10, 15 minutes. But then that's that's on our end to open the account. The processing of it on the back end. I mean, that, that takes Charles Schwab a lot of time oh, yeah. to process it on the back end. And, you know, they're probably pretty efficient at it. But you extrapolate that over 13 million accounts. That, that's a lot of additional work for no added benefit. And another thing, too, and I, 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 I uh, forget the exact number, but the average account size for Charles Schwab is over 200000 for Robinhood, I think it's about five thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's just terrible. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. And I mean, just kind of looking at some other numbers here. Uh, you know, we do know one of the reasons their their account size, account uh, average size, there's much lower is because it is a younger customer base. But when they filed their paperwork with the SEC to go public, details from the S one filing, well, they're concerning. No surprise, customer assets are up four hundred percent from last year's quarter. To eighty point nine billion again, nowhere near the the big players just yet, but they have grown substantially. But a breakdown of those assets reveals sixty five point one billion come from equities, two billion in assets come from options, and our favorite cryptocurrencies, of course, being facetious there, <laughs> accounts for eleven point six billion dollars. But there's some problems when you look at this here. Yeah, well, what is that? Options produce nearly half of the revenue. <clears throat> at 198 million compared to stocks, 133 million. So you got a two billion dollar asset, we'll call it, versus 60 billion. But most of the, you know, so and what really worries me is that options. When people start losing money, they're going to stop doing them. Yeah. What's going to happen? The revenue is going to drop dramatically. So keep in mind the stock assets are 40 times greater than the option assets. And cryptocurrencies produced wow 87.6 million of revenue, and I think that could fizzle. And I was going to say future years. I and you know what I think is happening right now? Crypto's become boring. It's yeah. around 30,000, 34,000. Yeah. And if that continues, it's going to be talked about less and less. And there goes the excitement and there goes uh, revenue for Robinhood. Well, no, I, we talked about crypto a decent amount on the show. And, and the thing that we look at is we don't think crypto's going anywhere, but I think the trading of crypto will decline. Because at a certain point, I think crypto becomes less of a gambling chip. Yeah, and more of a a tool and and finance to actually transfer money and, and and it becomes more stable at that point. And again, I'm not advocating to go out and buy Bitcoin or anything. I'm not sure what type of crypto that's going to be, 
but it, it does have the blockchain does have benefits to it and, and we don't deny that right but the trading of it is just what concerns us i mean you can't value all these cryptocurrencies. I don't know. There's like thousands of them, I think. <laughs> They're all over the place. Yeah, I think, I think it used to be 800. I think now it's probably well over 1,000. And, and the thing, too, that we talk about, yes, crypto will be there. And we're seeing more and more of a push from governments that, yeah, I think governments are going to start doing their own digital currencies, which will wipe out, I think, these private uh, cryptocurrencies and so forth. And I do just want to step back, Chase, to let people know that I, I want them to know these numbers we're talking about for Robinhood, the $80.9 I want to point out, those are revenue, yeah. not profits. And my concern is where will this company be five years from now? Will it be even in existence? Because if you have these things that diminish and you have these little $5,000 accounts, where's the money going to come from? And, and also, too, they have, and I forget what it's called. Maybe you remember um, uh, that the uh, FINRA is looking at it. It's, it's some type of trading they're doing behind uh, the scenes. It's pay for order flow. Pay for order flow. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I know that that's kind of where they actually make their money, which I'm guessing is the revenue where that's coming from. But um, that's kind of under scrutiny. And if they change that rule, I, I don't know how Robinhood's going to be able to compete against the larger players. And, you know, I, 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 I it's hard to say they won't be around. But the other thing I look at, too, is the meme stocks that we saw earlier right. this year. There's a lot of people that are pissed off about what Robinhood did to a lot of those meme stock owners. And again, I I'm not necessarily disagreeing with Robinhood did because we kind of understand it was in the contract and things of that nature. But we're not Robinhood's client base. No, the client base of Robinhood are those younger investors that are like, hey, how could they do that to me? <laughs> so they're pissed off about it. And then you have older people that are like, Robinhood, who? You know? Yeah. I know. So I I I just I don't see it necessarily being a big player against Charles Schwab and Fidelity. And, you know, I mean, those are really the big players in the game now, I guess. Well, let me look at my crystal ball. What I yeah. see is that uh, Robinhood goes public at a very high price. Uh, it comes down dramatically. And then they're swallowed up by some other brokerage firm that, that picks up those accounts for a good price. Oh. That's, yeah, yeah. I, I think so as well. And I did want to just hit my last point on the cryptos was I just I think companies that are making a lot off trading. And I, I think we talked about Coinbase recently mm -hmm. as well. I just think trading of cryptos is going to be a lot less profitable. And get this, as they become more prominent. Because if they become more prominent in society, right. I think they're actually going to have more utility right. where you can actually use them. But then you're not trading. It's like the dollar. <laughs> Nobody yeah. wants to trade the dollar. Yeah, yeah. Who, who I, trades I the dollar? Be. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, professionals do. And, you, and you're right. A lot of these people that, you know, thought that, oh, I got something new here with this crypto, and I'm going to become a, a crypto millionaire or whatever. Like, well, you, you know, good luck to you there, but it, it, it's just something that is uh, not going to be around in the yep. same form. Yep. So, actually, let's move to something old school, which is more the S&P 500. And by the way, we do not invest in the S&P 500 as an index, but we want to talk about it. Uh, a lot of history there. The S&P 500 just had its greatest five-quarter run since 1936 as the index climbed. 66.27% during the last five quarters. While that's a major positive for household net worth, it is important to remember that stocks do not go straight up. We say this all the time on the show, but people, again, get used to, oh, and I and I did have somebody that I talked to, it's not as, as, as popular as it used to be, index investing. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And here's a reason why not to. Yeah, it's... And this is why we look at the numbers. I mean, if you look at the tremendous run that occurred in 1936, the last time that we've seen something like this, the S&P 500, it fell 38.59% in 1937. 
Well, I, I don't really see this kind of decline as, you know, I, I do see it as unlikely. I wouldn't be surprised to see the index struggle through the next year as valuations remain expensive. So, I, I mean, it's just important to point out that you think those people in 1936 were thinking like, wow, we're going to have this huge decline in 1937. <laughs> no, they were kind of thinking yeah. a lot of the, oh, pff, stocks just go straight up. We're, we're good. This is fantastic. We're making all this money, investing so easy. I should have been doing this years ago. And then all of a sudden, what, what happened? Now, I think it's going to be the same thing with a lot of people in the housing market and even the, the traditional stock market, the broader-based indexes, I think five years from now, I'm going to be like, what happened? I, I, I didn't really lose money, but I didn't really make too much money either. Right, right. And, and, and that's the problem is that eventually they lose the excitement and they move on because, like, well, I didn't make any money over the last six months, so I'm going to go do something else. I'm not going to do the same longer. And then that begins the decline where the less people are investing. Then the smart investors come, who have been there all the time, they're buying the other things that may make a lot more sense. And it, it's just, uh, we're just kind of pointing out these facts. And still, uh, the S&P 500 still, uh, five companies still account for about 22% of the S&P 500. So. I figured that would have to be the case because they, they've kind of, they dipped, but then they came back. So now yeah. they've kind of maintained that that level of expensiveness. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And, and I, I do want to say, again, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show. The reason I don't think we're going to have major collapses in either the stock market or the housing market is again the money supply yeah. i think there's just too much money out there there's still a lot of money in cash so if you get pullbacks of like 10 percent, i think more money is going to flow into it so it's going to kind of create a a floor there essentially right. but i don't think there's going to be that upside potential that that you saw in 2020 and, and it is funny i mean because we're going to have years where you may only do 4% yeah. or 5%. And I, I won't feel bad about that. It's a positive return. But some people are like, what? 4% return? Well, I want to get like 25 or 30 or yeah. 50. Yeah. What's this 4% stuff? <laughs> you know, True investing is what it really is. And, and I have seen other people talk about the S&P 500. And I think the S&P 500, and I'm just going off the top of my head here, over the last 10 years averaged something like 13 14%. It's somewhere in that range. It, yeah. it, it's done phenomenally well. But over the next 10 years, I see a lot of kind of financial pundits, and, and ourselves included, they think the S&P 500 could do maybe 4 to 6% per year. Yeah. Because it, it, it's it's expensive. There's there's yeah. not much room for what we call multiple expansion, which means the price of those earnings that you're paying for, they're not going to go much higher than they are now. So you have to rely solely on earnings growth. So if you get, let's just say, earnings growth of 4 to 5%. Which is great, by the way. Yeah. yeah. That's what your return is going to be. Yeah. And it's called the multiple expansion, and it's expanded pretty much <laughs> right now. So it can't keep expanding. And my concern is it's more likely to see multiple contraction than expansion because more yeah. likely than not, we're going to have rising interest rates. And generally, as the interest rates rise, your multiples contract. So be careful out there mm -hmm. with, with the, the traditional indexes. And, and actually, I think the decade from 2000 to 2010 uh, I do believe that was not a great earning decade. And we've actually looked at this. I think we did a post on it uh, a while ago, I think ago it was too. pretty much flat. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 and that can happen going forward. And why would it happen? Because things are so expensive now in the indexes that going forward that it just can't keep going at that rate. And it bounces around, and the earnings have to come out to meet that. And that's why it's so important to invest in individual companies and uh, because there are great buys out there in individual companies. You've got to find them. So speaking of that, let, let's talk about the workshop because it's coming up uh, July 22nd. Uh, Six six o'clock, I think, is when we're doing the workshop at, at our office. 
Uh, and it is a free workshop and learn why value investing uh, does work best long term, kind of what we're talking about right here and now. Why financial analysis can reduce your emotional roller coaster you could be on and how we build portfolios for all kinds of markets. I'm going to show you everything we do. We talked about how we, we look at the numbers every Monday. We show you what we're looking at. We show you how I manage money for, gosh, now over 40 years. It is a free workshop, but we have to do sign up for it. Go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That is smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858 858- Five four six four three zero six. That's eight five eight five four six four three zero six. Look for Brianna; she'll get you signed up. Uh, and again, looking forward to have the workshop on uh, Thursday, July twenty second, six o'clock. So I'm excited to do it in our office. Uh, you know, haven't haven't done that in uh, what about a year and a half. I think February was our last one. I think so. Yeah, February two thousand twenty. You know? It's not about doing it in the office. It's just so much more. It's quiet. It's it's more focused on that. I mean, it's just uh, I just like doing the office. It's it's kind of nice, yeah. So it, it makes it a little easier to have conversations at the end, answer questions. So yeah. I mean, we're excited to get back back uh, there. And although we have to point out, we don't have any beer at the office. Yeah, <laughs> that's one thing. Nah. But we do provide snacks and stuff because yeah. you know it's that you know so it's uh, appetizers we provide so people don't get too hungry while we're talking. So. You can bring your own flask or something. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we don't want to promote. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 drinking and driving. <laughs> yeah, 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 we don't want to do that. So. Full disclosure, uh, that was a joke. Don't. Yes, yes, yeah. Make sure that we point that out. That was not what we really want you to do. Uh, I forgot to give the phone numbers. Uh, all phone lines are open. Uh, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And then I'll get you through, as always, with your unbiased, no strings attached, no opinion about what you want to talk about and chase i'm going to ask you on there uh, are, are we on facebook now too is yeah. that is that that is working okay good okay so facebook listeners are when can they can submit their questions uh the thing with facebook i'm trying to I, i've got my microphone is just kind of like there, there's something wrong with it so i'm trying to move things around and i said well maybe i can drop my seat a little bit so i'm, I'm next to the microphone um but then i'm gonna look short because you, you, you look fine on facebook i look fine on facebook oh you see it on facebook yeah, I see it. oh okay good all right well, we'll talk about, again, all, all phone lines are open. So I, I just want to mention real quickly about the home price index. Homes have just been doing, you know, crazy things. And according to the Case-Shiller Home Price Index, which ended in April, a record has been set for a one-year rise of 14.6%. Now, this index was started back in 1987. And the point with this, again, same thing with equities. And and I like to see when people say, and we have some clients, yeah, I'm selling my house, I'm selling my house, I'm going to rent for a while. This is, again, selling high and being patient. And it doesn't mean that in two, three months you're going to buy a house. It could be two, three years. Yeah. But I think this is a time to sell a home. And we got, we got to get David Suter back on to, to talk about it. But, I mean, it, it is definitely a seller's market. Yeah, and then there's no such thing as a buyer's market that's in a seller's market like this. This is not a buyer's market. <laughs> um, but the thing that I, I do want to caution people, and this doesn't mean don't sell your house, but I, I do know the hard part is the rental market is extremely tight as well. So it's very hard to find a house to rent. Yeah. So you got to be kind of careful. And I, I think you got to start looking at, you know, places to rent as well when you do sell your home to, to make sure you can find something that, that's of interest to you. Because you don't want to have to be homeless. But the other thing too is you got to look at what you can sell it at. And then even if you pay a little bit more for, you know, um, like an Airbnb for a little bit while you wait for something to, to find or 
you kind of rent for a, a month or two in some place. Again, you're getting a very nice price on your home at this time. And, and you know, be patient. Wait till you find something else that's a, a better value. And, and I do have to recommend. I do not recommend that you. Yeah, do not. I do recommend not to recommend no. <laughs> that you do not take that money and invest it in anything crazy. Yes, yeah. because again, things could turn in six, twelve months, and investing is for longer than six to twelve months. And I would hate to see. And we have people say, "Well, you know, I, I sold this. Can I invest this here?" And I said, "If you're gonna, if you're gonna have the money there for three to five years, uh, possible, but you could also need that money in a year, and things could be down. You could lose ten percent of your money. So be careful about investing the proceeds. Sometimes I know it's terrible in the bank at 0.2, percent, but that's the best place to be if you need that money in six, twelve months, because maybe a great deal does come up. Who knows? And I, I will tell people as well, depending on how much equity you have in your home." is you can look at kind of the range you're thinking of spending. And don't forget, mortgage rates are extremely low right now. So let's just say your home was paid off. Well, if you take that cash, put it in the bank, and you're like, oh, I'm waiting to buy something else, I wouldn't pay cash for my home. <laughs> I would mortgage that house because interest rates are so low. Right. And I'm quite confident, even though we just said things are expensive here in the, the stock market, I'm quite confident over the next 30 years, your investments should outperform what your mortgage rate is. Yeah. So I would say when you sell your home, think about what you want to kind of buy and what level that is. And then what are you going to put down for home? Let's just say 20% is what you're going to put down. Well, everything else that you have on top of that, leave yourself a little bit of cushion for an emergency fund. Everything on top of that's what you should really look at investing. That That's what you should be saying. I can invest that for the long term. And, and it's so important too. you mentioned about the down payment at 20% because some people say, well, you know, I got all this cash. I'll just put the whole thing down. I'll, I'll, I'll put down 50%. Well, if you're only paying a 3%, we'll even say a 4% uh, mortgage rate, and over the 10-year period, that money could earn even a 6% uh, return, you're far better off to do that than paying it, paying down a bigger mortgage. Yeah. You know? So it, it's, it's the numbers that you have to kind of work through. And, and I know emotionally, oh, but then my house is half paid for already. Yeah, but financially, it's not the right thing to do because hopefully you live in the whole journey of the 20, 30, 40 years and gosh, that makes a big difference for you. And I, I, I don't want to complicate things for people, but the reason real estate can actually be a good asset class in the long term is because of leverage. Yeah. If your money is purely in that house, it's just cash, you have no leverage on it, the returns on that asset aren't that great. No. I, I, we look over the last 20 years in homes that average about 3.4% per year, and we talk to people and saying, I think from 2006 to 2000, into 2020, I think is what it was, or beginning of this year, mm-hmm. was home prices were only up 30%. That's 15 years <laughs> and barely any appreciation. So yep. home prices don't necessarily appreciate as fast as people think. But the reason that you can be successful in it is many times leverage. And you have to utilize the leverage properly. Right. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Don't go out. Leverage your home and put it all in cryptocurrency. That is where you get crazy. That's, that's bad and leverage. Problem. So, <laughs> right. you know, just be cautious with it, but also to understand that that cash that you put in your home many times could be dead money for the next 10, 15 years if you fully pay it off. Exactly. All right. Phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go up to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? 
Uh, morning, guys. My wife completely agrees with you. As you guys know, we have a couple rental properties. She just came in the backyard to make sure I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Money's never going to be cheaper than it is right now. Like, that's for sure. So if you can do it and do it right, it's time to do it. Yes. But I was wondering if you could look at a cybersecurity company. It's Ping is oh. the symbol, P-I-N-G. Okay. And do you hold that or looking to buy it? I'm just looking to maybe buy it. It's one of those, you know, saw a ticker on it, the greatest stock of 2021. And I'm like, oh, let's see what the financials behind it are. All right. Well, let's take a look at uh, Ping Identity Holding Corporation. Symbol is P-I-N-G. Uh, unfortunately here, Tim, no P-E ratio versus 71.7 for the industry. We do see price of sales 7.8. That sounds high, but the industry is at 12.8. So not high compared to the industry. What does look good here is the price to book value is 18 the industry's at 105 and price of cash flow 131 versus 39. So kind of expensive for the uh, uh, valuation ratios there. We do see they do not pay a dividend. Their sales year over year are down 1%. Industry is up 15%. Earnings per share did fall by 1,451% for ping when the industry was up 11.6. They got a nice balance sheet here though. They got a current ratio of 2.9 versus two. Uh, debt to equity only 5.4 versus 72, and this means that the company has a, a long time to go before they be forced into bankruptcy. Uh, doesn't mean the company will do well, but it, it gives them time to kind of build the business is what it actually does, so they're not worried about being forced into bankruptcy. We do see return on equity is a negative 3.3, industry a positive 23.3, net profit margin 9.4, negative versus a positive 18, and receivable turnover is 2 versus 6.45 and i'm i'm kind of thinking this is probably a new company chase what do you got over there yeah i do want to say i, I just about cybersecurity. I, I think it is just such an important field as we move forward i mean we've seen the hacks and everything oh, oh my yeah. voice just cracked a little bit we've seen the <laughs> hacks you know and everything that, that's occurred there but it, it it is gonna be such an important thing as we move forward and i think a lot of that has been baked in the stocks and i, I say that because i just kind of look at the 52 week range the current price is 2397, 52-week low 1997, and it went way up to 3780. I, I just kind of look in here, guessing a lot of that was during kind of the cyber attacks and oh, we're gonna need cybersecurity and, and things like that. So I think these stocks are gonna move around a lot because I, I don't think cyber attacks are going anywhere. And I think they actually probably are positive many times as long yeah. as their systems aren't the one that got hacked. <laughs> their systems get hacked, I think their stocks are gonna fall tremendously. But the thing I look at with this business is I'll go out to 2022, and I see there's uh, 15 analysts, which is pretty good. The average estimate, however, is just 29 cents, would give us a target sell price of $4.81. So there's a lot of hope around these companies yeah. that, you know, it, that they're going to be more prevalent, which I think they will. But I, I just think that's already baked into the stock price at this time. And actually what worries me, Tim, is that there is a lot of companies coming into this. And this is a, a scary field. But now the competition is starting to build, and you're going to see, and, and I'm not saying I know for sure for Ping, but Ping could be one that just doesn't make it, even though it's a great thing to be in. It's kind of like the water companies years ago, like, oh, get water company, get water. Well, there's a lot of companies. I just talked to somebody the other day, and they go, yeah, I thought it was going to be great because water filtration, and the company went bankrupt. So just be very careful with it. And this is where you may want to try to understand more about the company. It is more speculative, um, but I think it's the right industry, but you want to find a, a, a good company at a good price. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your Saturday, and uh, go Padres. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 
2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Idaho and speak with Greg. Greg, you're on the Smart Best Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey, I got to ask you, Idaho, uh, did you move up there from San Diego, or how'd you get to Idaho? I, I spend half my time in Coeur d'Alene and half my time in San Diego. In fact, Brent, I saw you at the Padre game a month or so ago. That's right, Greg. That's right. Hi, yes. So are you in <laughs> Idaho now, I guess? Okay, so no more, no more Padre games for you. <laughs> it was 95, 95 degrees yesterday, it's, uh, but it, it's beautiful up here. Very good, very good. How can we help you? I listen to a business co- podcast on a company called Wix. They're a website company that lets you small business people like restaurants set up a website in five or ten minutes, and then they start selling. Uh, it's free, but then they start selling you extras on top of that. And I know nothing about the stock, not really considered about buying it. I'm just curious uh, what you guys think about it. So I, I do want to give a little background on this. I, I actually use Wix. I, I have a breast cancer charity that I run, and I use Wix as my platform. And it's a phenomenal uh, platform there. I mean, they allow you to create the website. They allow you to put an online store on there. So we sell T-shirts. And then also they do kind of the financing for you there as well. So they're not the financing, but they run the, the payments for you. So it's very user-friendly, very simple. I think you pay a little bit more than maybe if you uh, use outside vendors, but it's a very simple website. And I, I love the company. I, I'm not sure on the numbers, so I'm glad you called about it. Yeah, maybe we can use the company and actually invest in the company. Let, yeah. Let's see. So, again, the company is Wix.com Limited, symbol is W-I-X. Unfortunately, no P-E ratio versus 71.7 for the industry. Price of sales, 15.4. Not too bad compared to the industry at 12.8. Price to book value, very expensive, 100 versus 105 for the industry. And no price to cash flow versus 39. Chase, I know you're using this company for your uh, foundation there. Uh, how long have they been out, do you know? Uh, I've been using them now for over a year, but I think right. they've been out. It looks like they have data prior to 2019, so okay. at least that long. Okay. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. Uh, now, things seem to be going well. Their sales are up 37% year over year versus the industry up 15 Unfortunately, earnings are down 141% when they earn, the industry is up 126 So I would want to know, gosh, why did the earnings fall by such a tremendous amount? And then also the balance sheet not looking too good here. we got a current ratio of 1.8 versus 2. That is okay. But debt to equity, 430 versus 72. And that's just very frightening to have that much debt compared to your equity on the balance sheet. We do see return on equity is also a negative 116 versus a 23. Net profit margin, a negative 23 versus a positive 18. Receivable turnover looks good, 45.8 versus 6.5. Chase, any earnings going forward for Wix? Yeah, well, I did want to look here. I, the company looks like it went public around 2013, so it's been out for a while. Mm-hmm. And I do wonder on the debt to equity. I said they do process my payments. I'm not sure if that's going to make them carry any of the receivables oh, yeah. or not, but that, that might kind of skew the data a little bit. And I want to give them a little bit more of a shout-out there as well because – I know nothing about building websites. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know they, they do a good job. Is my, my website looks pretty good, I think. So it, it's a, a very simple way for uh, people. Why don't, don't you give out the website since we're... Yeah, we'll talk about it a little yeah. bit. Uh, it's fightersfightfoundation.com. Again, fightersfightfoundation.com. So if you look at it and say, hey, Chase, that's a terrible website. I appreciate any feedback. <laughs> yeah, so. want the feedback, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the finances here on Wix.com. Current price, $294.81, 52-week high, $362.07, and the 52-week low, that's $213.12. Now, I'm disappointed here because I wanted to like this company, yes. and I do like this company, but just as an investment, I go out to 2022, I see estimated earnings per share, 
There are none. It's a loss of 37 cents. So this is a growth company. They are kind of hinging on the fact that they're continuing to grow sales, continue to grow users like myself, which I think they can as long as that platform remains strong. But you're, you're paying a lot for that and, and high hopes down the road. Yeah, exactly. So to help you out, so Greg? Maybe, yeah. maybe good, good to use their uh, web services, but don't put your old piggy bank. Don't put any of your piggy bank in it. Yeah, and what people can do is test out the services by going to Chase's uh, foundation there to see how it works. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Fighters Fight Foundation, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but We'll, uh, we'll check it out. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. All right, Have Greg. A great day. Enjoy, uh, enjoy Idaho. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And before we go to Harrison, don't you have also for the foundation a golf tournament coming up pretty soon too? Yeah, we can it's promote that. I, I just got that set up. So, uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're doing a golf tournament at the RBN to, to raise money for our women. And, the, and what we do as a foundation is actually provide experiences to them. So what we've been doing is actually delivering dinners during COVID from their favorite restaurants yeah. for up to 10 people and their family or close friends. Uh, so that's been fantastic to kind of see some of those stories. So uh, all the proceeds from that will go, again, to those women that are battling breast cancer and giving them nice experiences. But that golf tournament will be August 14th is when it will be. And, again, it will be at the Rancho Brano Inn, which is a phenomenal golf course. Oh, I yeah. think it's going to be a great event. So if you want more details on it, again, the website, fightersfightfoundation.com. Actually, August 14th, that's not that far away. It's only about a month away. No, it's coming up. Yeah, wow, wow. Okay, yeah. So, and actually, some of the stories that you tell, I don't know if they're on the website or not, but you have some great stories of, of just, you know, dinners you delivered and help mm-hmm. people out during Christmas time and so forth. It's just like phenomenal stories. So, it's a, uh, do you have that on the website? Yeah, we have a couple of those stories, stories on yeah. there. Um, do have to ask permission for them. So, some of the women don't want their stories yeah. shared. So, right. that's okay. But, right. um, yeah, no, it, it's, you know, we were able to help. Families that had, you know, um, young kids that didn't really have much money and actually were single moms, both of them, were able to deliver presents and, um, you know, Christmas tree in one yeah. case and actually kind of provide that, that great Christmas opportunity. So we're really looking forward to that this year again. And, um, you know, it, it's just kind of sad to see the amount of single moms that we've helped mm-hmm. that have breast cancer. And just seeing the the effect and the, the care that they have for their kids, that's what just, I'm like, wow, they, they still care more about the kids. We we delivered one meal that was for her son's birthday. And right. she had, you know, uh, stage three or stage four breast cancer. And she's like, well, I want to make it a special day for my son. And I was like, you have breast cancer. What about you? You know, <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. it's phenomenal to see how strong yeah. a lot of these women are. Again, Fighters Fight Foundation uh, tournament, uh, golf tournament, uh, August 14th, I believe you said at Ranch Bernardo. Yeah. Yep. We're going to be there. Yeah. We will be there. We'll be there. All right. Uh, let's talk about a financial plan. I know we're talking today about Ross because there's some bad news that could be coming out for Ross. For that, let's turn to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Well, great, great. We hear all this great news about Ross, and you're going to kind of rain on the parade because maybe there's some <laughs> bad things coming down the road. Why don't you explain what we're talking about? So Chase alluded to this last week, um, and basically what happened is a couple weeks ago, the website ProPublica published this article that was about all of these really wealthy people, these billionaires, and how they're avoiding taxes. And so everyone is all upset about it. Another example of loopholes that rich people take advantage of, don't pay their fair share and all that. So one of the uh, one of the uh, people in there, Peter Thiel, who is the uh, one of the co-founders of PayPal, Apparently, he has five 
billion dollars, billion with a B, in a Roth IRA, which is unheard of because you can only put $6,000 into a Roth per year while you're working. So to get $5 billion into it, um, you've got to be investing in something, you know, that's really going to grow a lot in order to get there. So um, this was found out, and then we get some politicians and some people are upset about it because they're like, we need to do something about this. This is another one of those loopholes. And so before I talk about some of the changes we might see, I want to point out, uh, you know, the fact of the matter here. There's a very, very small number of uh, billionaires in the United States. It's a few hundred out of the uh, about 330 million people we have in the country and an even smaller number of billion dollar Roth IRAs. It could probably count on one hand. The that's amount what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, I could too. be wrong on that. Maybe that <laughs> is something that a bunch of billionaires do, but I would imagine that there's, it might be just that one to have five billion in the Roth. But anyway, Harrison, real um, quick, do you know if he paid himself in like PayPal stock and then he put that into the Roth? Because I, I know that's obviously so, the, the funds that created the extraordinary amount of wealth for him. So this is what happened. He he purchased pre-IPO shares of PayPal and also Facebook with his Roth IRA, and so they were trading at nothing. Uh, basically, and then now, you know, they're these massive companies. So that's what he got this huge growth out of. Um, but interestingly enough, there's already a law that's kind of against that because now when whether you have a Roth IRA, traditional IRA, 401k or whatever, you cannot buy or sell inside of that account from a related party. And since he was affiliated with PayPal, he would not be able to buy from himself. And also there was some speculation on, you know, whether he was really buying the shares at their true market value, not that they were trading on the market, but I guess their their actual value, he might have been underbuying them, so he was getting more shares than he could have been. But again, a lot of that um, you can't do now anyway, so uh, kind of interesting. But the next th- the next point I was going to say is based more on that ProPublica article, it talked about other ways that um, these rich people are avoiding taxes, and so the point is. Um, a lot of these billionaires, they don't need Roth IRAs in order to avoid taxes. They have plenty of other ways of doing it. Um, <laughs> one of the ways is, you know, they have all these assets, whether it's real estate or stocks or companies or whatever it is. And so they use their assets as collateral and take out loans against it um, and then use those loans, lines of credit to buy everything to fund their lifestyle. So that way, they can keep all of their assets invested, and they, they know their assets will continue to grow. They don't have to liquidate and sell anything and pay any taxes on it, and they know that that appreciation will outweigh the interest in the accumul- and the accumulating lines of credit that they have. So I think it's really smart, and I'm, I try to do something similar on a smaller scale with people I work with. But, um, you know, there's a lot of ways that, that if you understand how money works that you can really reduce your tax liability. But anyway – <laughs> the whole point here is this is getting into, um, you know, we might see some changes with Roth or IRAs because whenever, you know, politicians see something like this, then they want to they want to make changes. And so this with well, the first change um, potential. None of this stuff is in stone. They're just talking about it. But something we could see and it's actually been talked about before is putting a five million dollar cap on Roth IRA balances, which is still you know, a really high number. I've never seen a Roth IRA with $5 million in it. And I've seen, you know, I've talked to thousands of different people. Um, I would love to have a Roth IRA with $5 million in it. But 
the, what they're saying is once you get to that balance, you can no longer contribute anymore. And then another possibility is every year you have to take out half of the amount that's above $5 million. So if you have $6 million, um, that's a million dollars over the limit. You'd have to take half of that out, which would be $500,000. And so the point would be to limit the amount of tax-free growth you can continue to have on your assets. Um, another thing they're looking at is limiting the type of assets you can invest in. Usually people invest in stocks and bonds and that kind of thing, but can, you can also invest in real estate and other types of stuff. So they're trying to maybe limit it, limit the type of assets you can invest on. So you're not getting this, uh, this PayPal, at, uh, Facebook stuff, which again is already kind of prohibited all, um, anyway. And the last thing, which I think would be, um, the worst outcome because I think it would affect the most people is they're talking about limiting Roth conversions. And I really like Roth conversions when it makes sense. Last week I talked about a, a situation where it didn't make sense, but a lot of times it does. I think it's a really handy tool. Um, and I, I think it would be really unfortunate if they were to, to try and limit those. Um, and actually up until 2010, only people with incomes under $100,000 were able to make Roth conversions. So there, there's talk that something like that can come back. Um, I, again, I, I hope that does not happen. But that's that's what I wanted to go through. I thought it was uh, pretty interesting. Too. And, and Harrison, I know these numbers sound kind of high to people. Again, the $5 million, what worries me is that things can change. And again, you've not seen a Roth IRA yet at $5 million, but project ahead for people right now that are 30 years old, we'll say, they do all the right things. In 20, 30 years, they could very well be above that. And oh my gosh, this is terrible. And this is one thing I've said many years. I'm going to say the last 10 years of worries about Roths and actually retirement accounts in general is that the government comes in and says, wow, what a great job you've done. You've got so much money. We're going to tax you on that now. Like, oh, wait a minute. I worked hard for this money. I put it away. I did everything I was supposed to. And now I've got a two, $3 million you know, retirement account and they want to tax it. So that's one thing that you know I, I do want to caution people on. The other thing too I want to be careful of is that with the, uh, the PayPal situation, I do not recommend that people take that risk on their Roth retirement account because that is your retirement account. And yeah, well, it worked out very well for him. For the average person, they might go out and try to buy some future penny stock and all of a sudden they have nothing come retirement. So I, I'm not for risking money in retirement like that uh, for uh, that reason. That, that's your retirement. <laughs> he was also the co-founder of the company. So, well, <laughs> you know. Well, and, and, but I'm just know, saying, but you know what I'm saying? saying that yeah. Some people are like, well, it worked for him, so yeah. I'm going to do this on this brand new IPO coming out. I think he yeah. knew a little bit more about the company than most other people Maybe. about penny yeah. stocks. So. <laughs> yeah, so. But Harrison, these are all things that you, you talk about when people come in. And very important to look at these different things and, and project out many years and be aware of what the government can and will do down the road that you got to plan for that. Yeah, I mean, the, the government's always trying to do stuff. Uh, our lives are always changing, and so we always have to, you know, weigh those two different sides of the coin so we can continue to make the right decisions. And Roth, I still think, will be a, a tool to use. I don't think everybody in the world should always try to contribute that instead of, like, a pre-tax account, like a 401k. But, you know, it's still a nice tool to, to use, so I hope that we don't see any limitations on it that, that affect uh, us regular people. That's right. Well, Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, have a great uh, weekend. We'll see you Monday. That sounds good, guys. We'll see you Monday. Okay. Bye-bye. Again, as our uh, financial planner, CFP Harrison Johnson, you want to have a conversation with him. It is a free consultation to talk about your situation. Give him a call at the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858 
888-546-4306 or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. It's just so interesting how politicians try and crack down on, let's say, five people here in the world and the country that have this huge, huge Roth IRA, and it just doesn't impact a whole lot of people. And you're wasting all your time on legislation that impacts such a small percent. And do you need $5 billion in Roth? Probably not. I kind of commend would the you guy. Like, I mean, would you like yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, we would like to have that. <laughs> that's creative how he got there, but, you know, it's it sounds like a waste of time to me in terms of the legislation that they're trying to create to combat such a small problem. But that's just my opinion. Yes, yes. So, all right. Uh, I was going to go back to the phones, but I, you know, I, I, do we have anybody on Facebook? I haven't seen anybody on Facebook uh, with any questions yet. Nope. No? Wow. Okay. That's uh, our Facebook listeners. I guess they're watching, but not not. Uh, just paying attention, not to come up with ideas. Uh, we did have an, an email, I believe, uh, from a gentleman by the name of Rick about Vale Mining Company, a symbol V-A-L-E. So let's take a quick look at that to see what that looks like here. Uh, we do see that they have a P-E ratio right now of 10.4 uh, versus 30 for the industry. We see price to sales that checks in at uh, one uh, let's see, 2.44 versus not material for the industry. We see price to book value is 3.8 versus 5.4 and then price of cash flow is 8.6 versus 13. so valuation ratios look pretty decent for this company so far we do see that they pay a 7.4 percent dividend using 38 percent their earnings to pay that out that's not too bad wow sales are up 66.6 percent well above the industry at 10.6 earnings per share climbed by 8,277 industry up 123 these numbers almost sound too good to be true. You really got to check these numbers to see if it's not just a one-time thing that's happening for them, and they don't do it again next year. We do on the balance sheet, our current ratio 2 versus 2.5. Debt to equity only 38 versus 86. That's a positive. Net profit margin, uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, return equity is 29.1 versus 0.4. Net profit margin checks in at, uh, where is it, 22 versus 4.7. And then we do see receivable turnover is 15.7, double the industry at 7, and inventory turnover 4.6 versus 3.3. So the numbers look pretty good on this, Chase. And what do the numbers look like going forward? I didn't want to see kind of what mining they do. And it looks like they're in, first of all, Brazil, uh, but they do produce and sell iron ore, iron ore pellets for use as raw materials and steel making, which could be beneficial to uh, an infrastructure play, but it says that they sell it in Brazil and internationally. So I'd, I'm curious where their sale allocation would be in terms of uh, the geographics of that. But it also says they're involved in coal. They also have nickel byproducts such as copper, gold, silver, cobalt, precious metals, and others. So it seems like they're mining a bunch of different things. I'd want to understand, again, the breakdown of, of those different segments there. But looking at the numbers for Vail, the current price is $22.42. 52-week high, well, that's $23.18. And the 52-week low, well, that's $10.29. Now I go up to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.07. Would give us a phenomenal target sell price of $67.56. The problem I see here is a lot of these miners have very, very, very cyclical earnings. I point yeah. that out because 2020, the company made $1.07. This year, they're estimated to make $5.16. I said next year, $4.07. Then about 13 analysts, which is a pretty good chunk there. 
think in 2023, they'll just make $2.87. So this is all over the place. That's what normally concerns me about mining companies. Yeah, they, they go up and down a lot. And we know that, you know, all, you know, uh, materials and metals are going up and so forth, lumber. But actually, a lot of these have pulled back. Mm-hmm. So they may, they may have those earnings based on numbers that may not do as well going forward. And they'll do okay. But you got to be very careful. And this is what we talk about, not just reading the numbers, but understanding the numbers. And this is where experience comes into play because of the fact that it, it just, you say, like, as you said, well, yeah, the numbers are all over the board. you got to look at the whole picture. So, um, and, and also, John's wondering, too, the, the different mining that they're doing. How much do they get all, sometimes could be diversified or non-diversified, where they get all the, the money from just maybe, say, from just from nickel. Yeah, that's oh. what I was saying. I understand that breakdown there of that, but... It's so interesting with these miners. It almost seems as oftentimes you have to buy these companies when they don't look like a buy and sell right. these companies when they don't look like a, a sell. Yeah, and it, it's they're very hard companies to invest into because the the earnings move so drastically. Yeah, and, and I will say that's so true because a lot of times when we do our our buys, it's kind of like okay, okay, we've done all the research and so forth. It's not easy because again, there's a lot of things that just you know that's down twenty thirty percent. You know, it, it's hard. And when we sell, like, oh, gosh, you know, the numbers say to sell. You know, the, the emotions, we, we keep our emotions in check, but it's hard, as you say, because it's, it's hard to buy when you don't want to buy, and it's hard to sell when you don't want to sell, but that's how you make money in investing. It's, yep. it's, it's very true. So, But uh, I was going to go back to the phones. I, I do, so we got uh, Tony and Poway, uh, Jim in San Diego, David in Lakeside, John in Coronado. Uh, we only got two minutes, so I don't want to, you know, get started. Although our breaks are so short now, maybe we should just go ahead and get started. We had a couple. Cut through. We'll, I was we'll going to say that. maybe we can talk about the workshop one more time. Oh, yeah. We'll gosh, go to break. Know, and then I want to, because that's we'll not take, that far I think far Tony away. and Poway after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I totally wanted to uh, actually do that because the workshop is coming up on uh, Thursday, July 22nd, 6 o'clock uh, in Scripps Ranch. And it's going to be at our office. And you're going to learn why value investing works best. And we just talked about, you know, buying when you don't want to buy and sell when you don't want to sell. These are things we talk about. We talk about the numbers for you. Why financial analysis will reduce your uh, emotional roller coaster. I mean, we, we've done fundamental investing for a long time. It really gets you on the right track of investing and how uh, we build portfolios for all kinds of markets, not just the peak markets or the bear markets, but all kinds of markets. It is a free workshop. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Um, or call the office 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And gosh, I want to promote that two or three times in the hour because it's it's going to be here and gone before you know it. Yeah. And it, seating's it, limited there too. Yeah, we don't have as much seating there, but uh, we still can fit a good amount of people. And it's, it's a good yeah. time at the office and you know centrally located, which people seem to like. So uh, as I said, we're, we're excited to do it at the office. I mean, yeah. it's it's nice to come in and kind of see where we're at, and it's a it's a nice convenient space for people. And I'm so disappointed because I had pulled up while you're talking. I pulled up uh, Conoco Phillips for Jim, and then he hung up on us. So I think I still since I have it pulled up, and I know we got about 30 seconds here. Uh, is we'll do Conoco Phillips when it comes back since I got it pulled up for Jim. All righty, you are listening to the Smart Investing Show. Brent Chase going to take a quick break here. When we come back, your calls are up eight six six. Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. We'll be back.
Alrighty, welcome back to Second Hour Smart Investing Show. Yes, we have phone lines open 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And as I said when we left for the show, I did have ConocoPhillips pulled up, a symbol COP for Jim. I know he hung up, so we're going to go through the numbers on ConocoPhillips, partly because I want to know myself, because I know that we did talk early in the show that energy appears to be pulling back a little bit. So I want to see if ConocoPhillips could be a a good potential buy for people. Again, the ConocoPhillips symbol is COP. Uh, we do see no PE ratio, but that's the same as the industry. And again, still coming back from a difficult uh, COVID situation. We do see price of sales 3.6. That's above the industry at 2.1. Price to book value 1.9 versus 1. And then price to cash flow 13.5 versus 8.6. So you are paying more for the valuation ratios on a ConocoPhillips than the industry. Uh, they do pay a 2.9% dividend, and the dividend payout ratio, 9,805. Uh, that is obviously because the earnings were very low over the last 12 months. Uh, sales year-over-year year were down 23.6%. Industry was down 28.5%. Earnings per share were down 104 uh, Industry was actually up 61 but just kind of look at quarter-quarter. Sales were up 61% quarter-over-quarter. Industry was down 48 and quarter-over-quarter over the last uh, physical year. Uh, earnings per share climbed by 147 versus 95. So we are seeing a turnaround in the energy companies. Looking at the balance sheet for ConocoPhillips, looking pretty good. Uh, current ratio 2 versus 0.9. Debt to equity only 46 versus 51. We see return equity 0.5 versus negative 9.8. Net profit margin, and this over the last 12 months, uh, is 0.17 versus a negative 22.7. Again, that includes losing quarters uh, earlier in the year of 2020. And we do see receivable turnover 6.7 versus 7. Inventory turnover 15.8 versus 27.8. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? There's a current price here for ConocoPhillips, $60.13. 52-week high, well, that's $63.57 in the low, $27.53. And I'm just kind of looking here at 2020. The the non-GAAP numbers was a loss of $0.97. Cents. So we know these companies had a very hard time. But the GAAP numbers was a loss of $2.51. And I, I bring this up because I am really curious what's going to happen between these discrepancies in 2021, the year that we're in. Mm-hmm. Because what happened last year was oil prices plunged. And what happened was they had to write down the value of the oil on their balance sheets. Right. So that was a huge cost to them in terms of their earnings. And they won't be able to write it up essentially to the current value of oil this year, but they'll be able to write it up to the cost because the lower of cost or market, but they'll be able to write it back up to whatever they paid for it back then. So I'm curious to see how the gap numbers look as you progress. And the thing is, it, it doesn't really impact cash flow too much, mm-hmm. but you're going to see some kind of, I'm going to say wonky numbers here yeah. for these refiners and oil companies as the year progresses. But looking at the uh, estimates for December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.45 would give us a target sell price of $73.87. Uh, There's a decent return there. I, I think that's about 20%, 20% is, yeah. is where it's at. So I, I'd like to see it a little bit higher. I'd maybe wait, and this could be a potential one on a pullback, but I don't think I'd buy it at this level. I think there's some other 
energy companies that I like better. Yeah, there's other energy companies that had uh, more of a pullback. I mean, gosh, it's only $3 down from the 52 oh. week highs, so that that's not very exciting to me, and I'm kind of surprised on it, but this is why we look at the numbers, because, and that shows that you don't buy the market because not everything does what you think it's going to do. So, uh, kind of call Phillips, I'd say no. I would not buy this one now. If you have it, I would hold it, but I would look at buying another energy company that is have a bigger pullback that has stronger numbers. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's only like a 5% decline that we've seen. That's pretty minimal. Yeah. It's, it's In terms strong. of a lot of other energy companies that, you know, when we've kind of seen the discussions between OPEC Plus and, oh, what's yeah. going on there? I mean, energy's been a little bit more volatile lately. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I hope that uh, helped out. I, I'd like to work on it. So let's now go out to Poway and speak with Tony. Tony, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? I love your show. Good. Well, thank you. Glad you're there. So I'm a pretty modest investor. Uh, somebody uh, got me interested in uh, Ammo Inc., which is POWW, and uh, he, he got me interested uh, when it was at $3, and I generally don't invest in anything that, that low. But then suddenly it went up, and I did buy around 650 and then it just raced up. And, and it went, let me see, it went up to 10 and then earnings came out and they were awesome and suddenly it goes down 20%. So I, I'm just wondering what you guys think about this stock. Yeah, and obviously I can just tell from the uh, the name and the symbol it obviously sells ammunition, I believe, correct? <laughs> Is yeah, that a good guess? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, well, well, let's take a look at uh, Ammo Incorporated, symbol is P-O-W-W. Uh, unfortunately here, and I, I'm kind of surprised on this because I know that ammunition is just in high demand. You'd think that they'd have a profit here, but over the last 12 months, they do not have a profit. There's no P.E. ratio versus 1,071 for the industry. Price to sales, very expensive, 22 versus 2. Price to book value, 28. The industry is not material, but even price to cash flow for this company is not material versus 59 for the industry. We do see they do not pay a dividend, and yes, sure enough, sales are up 200 and 78% year over year, well above the industry loss of 2.2. Earnings per share, not quite the, the, the great uh, increase there. It's 43%, which is nothing to sneeze at, but uh, the industry was down 96. But I, I just thought a higher growth on their earnings as well. Uh, we do see on the balance sheet, uh, got a current ratio 2.6 versus 1.4. Debt to equity 25. That's very good because the industry is at 132. Unfortunately, though, return on equity is a negative 35 along with a negative profit margin of a negative 27 versus a positive 0. 0.19 for the industry. Receivable turnover is 10.6 versus 4.4, and inventory turnover 5.3 versus 2.3. And before I make any comments, I want to hear the earnings from you, Chase, going forward. Yeah, so taking a look at the current price here for ammo, and again, I like that ticker symbol, POW. That's, that's kind of fun. But the, yeah, uh, forget that one, although people might put in P-O-W and yeah. forget the other W. <laughs> Pow! <laughs> but uh, current price here eight dollars twenty eight cents. Fifty two week low one dollar and ninety six cents. I mean it's up tremendously from that level there, Tony. But the fifty two week high is uh, it's pulled back ten dollars and thirty seven cents. Now we go out to two thousand twenty three. Looks like they report on a fiscal year uh, average estimate of just two analysts. Unfortunately, is forty three cents. And most of the time, I don't like to buy companies when there's just right. two analysts because you're not getting a very strong number. You could have one that's super favorable and one that's like, uh, yeah, I guess that sounds good. I like to see at least five to seven analysts in most cases. And I'm not surprised by that. This is a, a pretty small company. It's about $925 million market cap. 
I mean, when it was at a dollar and ninety six cents, I mean, that means it was a tiny, tiny company. Oh, very tiny, yeah. And I know why obviously people are buying this because of big shortage of ammunition. Um, I, I, I'm not a big, you know, I, I've got my reserves at home. Uh, I haven't really looked very hard for it. So I don't know how hard it is to get. I know some people, gosh, I've heard some people went out and bought like two, three thousand dollars of ammunition. So it will last them for a very long time. But that could mean down the road you might see a big decline. So maybe that's what was something in the earnings that came out that they said they're seeing a slowdown in that. And maybe that's why the 20 percent dip, because this company is extremely pricey at these levels. Well, and that's the thing, too, Tony. A lot of times good news gets baked into the stock. And I mean, if you have a company go from we'll call it about two dollars up to ten dollars and they come out with earnings that are strong, if they're not strong enough, yep. that's enough to take take the stock down. So. Um, that that's what I, I think is is likely what occurred uh, without kind of doing further research on it. I, I I'd be careful with it. it. It's it's definitely expensive. Yeah, and and, and I would kind of be looking at uh, I don't know if you own guns or not, uh, but I'd be really looking into the industry because I I know that's been a shortage for I want to say a year, and it's not a secret. So I mean I'm sure a lot of companies are trying to increase the amount they're doing. As I said, there's uh, users that are stockpiling it, so eventually you could see that growth slow down. And these companies could be hurt. And I know there's bigger companies out there than this company that may be able to weather the storm. But I, I'd be very careful of buying on the hype now because I think eventually that demand will be met and then the price of these companies will fall. Already? Uh, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate your comments. For anybody looking to invest in it, it's a wild ride. You don't see any day with it, – it's usually a 1% or 2% increase or decrease. So it uh, keeps you up at night. It really gives you a nice bang there, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> thanks guys appreciate all right. it all right tony thanks for calling have a good one bye-bye all right that does open the phone line 866-577-2473 that's 866-577-2473 and I, I will say one thing that um to be cautious of is that a lot of times when industries go through shortages they're followed by surpluses because companies are, see the shortage, mm-hmm. and then more companies get involved in the problem, and now all of a sudden you have this excess supply, and this is not going to happen, I'd say, even next year. But over the next five years, you, you could see all of a sudden a, a surplus of ammo because everybody, oh, we got to produce ammo, got to produce ammo, got to produce ammo to, to meet this demand. And now you get new players into it, you get companies overproducing, and now you have a surplus of it, which isn't favorable for uh, companies. Yeah, and, and that's one thing, too, you got to think about. Uh, are you early to the party or late to the party? If you're late, yeah, you, you might yeah. want to look for something else. All right, uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to Lakeside and speak with David. David, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, fellas. It's always good to listen to you and get some good information. Good. Thank you. Um, I was looking at a stock called Light, L-I-T-E. I saw um, oh, the gentleman. He ran for president a couple of times. Mike Huckabee yeah. was doing an info commercial for Banyan Hill, and Banyan Hill usually never gives away anything free. <laughs> but they were talking about that particular stock, L-I-T-E. Okay, and I think the that's the symbol L I T E. When I put in the symbol L I T E, the company comes up L- Lumtum Holdings Incorporated. Is that the? That's it. That's it. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I butchered that name or not, but that's the way it appears to me. Lumpton Holdings Incorporated, symbol L I T E. 
Uh, good start here. P.E. ratio 17.6 versus 31.7. Price to sales 3.65 versus 3.75. That's okay. Price to book value 4.1 versus not material for the industry. That's good. And the price of cash flow checks in at 11.4 versus 16.2. So that's a positive. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. We do see that sales were up only 0.2% year over year, but the industry was down 1%. We do see earnings per share, however, climb by 220.8% when the industry is up 14.8. On the balance sheet, we've got a current ratio of 3.8 versus 1.8. We do see debt to equity is 54 versus 71. That's a positive. Return on equity is 19 versus 18.7. Another positive there for the company. And then net profit margin, 21.6, double the industry to 11.8. And then receivable turnover, 7.1 versus 5.2. Inventory turnover five versus six. Chase, what do you got for the units going forward? Yeah, so I did kind of just take a look at this company. I was curious what it does. Uh, it says they manufacture and sell optical and photonic products in the Americas, Asia Pacific, Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Operates in two sec segments, optical communications and commercial lasers. That's fun. Lasers are always a good time. But uh, looking at the current price here for, gosh, it's a hard name to say, as you said. I'm going to say Lumentum. Holdings, again, ticker symbol L-I-T-E, and that current price, $82.67, 52-week high, $112.08, and the low here, $65.67. I go out to June 2022. They do report on that fiscal basis. I see $5.65 as the estimated earnings would give us a target sell price of $93.79. But one thing I will point out is we're in July now. So yeah. we should be seeing a push out to June 2023. The current estimate for that year is actually $6.43. That would push up our target sell price to $106.74. Well, the problem I see here is 2022, there's 17 analysts in 2023. There's just six. So I'm not as comfortable with that number. But it, I, I might watch it, kind of see what happens in earnings. I don't think I'd buy it at this level. It just doesn't give us our margin of safety. But maybe what happens, they report good earnings or, or maybe they report yep. bad earnings. The stock goes down, but it's a buying <laughs> opportunity. Or perhaps it's good, and those 2023 earnings jump and provide that 30% margin of safety that we like to see. And, and, David, the other thing that we do when we get close to earnings, we like to kind of wait for the earnings report to come out. And as Chase said, there's only, what, six analysts versus 17. So I, I'd be kind of patient with it. And sometimes you'll miss it because, oh, gosh, I came out with great earnings. The stock went up, you know, 10%. But I still think it's better to be patient and wait than invest blindly and play the, you know, play the pay, uh, pray and hope game. So I, I'd be patient with this one because if they do come in with decent earnings, then you go out to June 2023. Well, then it looks like it'll buy if they, everything comes in good. All righty. Yeah, thank you. And uh, you guys have a great day. You too, David. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right. That opens the phone line, 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. And Chase, we've got a workshop coming up on July 22nd, 6 o'clock, right in Scripps Ranch there. And I wonder how many people, you know, and I've been doing the workshop now for 20 years. I wonder how many people have heard it like, yeah, I got to go there, I got to go there, and they never get there. I, I bet you there's people out there like, like yeah, I got to do that. And maybe this is the time that they do it. Uh, July 22nd, it is a Thursday. And at that workshop, we're going to show you everything we've done and what I've learned from 42 years of managing money, and we share everything with you. It's not like we hold back and kind of keep things secret. No, we show you what we do and explain what we do and why we've been successful doing it. 
and it is a free workshop. So all you got to do is go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. I'd love to see you at the workshop, July 22nd, 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. We will provide appetizers because we know it is kind of at that dinner time. You might be a little bit hungry. Why don't you, you know, focus in on food and not be on paying attention to the uh, the numbers, the important numbers there. So, Yeah, it's uh, definitely important to not get hungry. I know I, I'm a pain when I'm hungry. I know. And a secret, we eat a little bit before we start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see who was up uh, next here. I think we are going to go out to Alpine and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, my, my... I'm well. I'm well, thank you. Just uh, have breakfast with a bunch of car buddies every Saturday morning, so I can't catch the first part of your show. So my kudos to who's ever been posting the uh, the podcast lately. They're just they're on like almost as soon as you guys finish talking. So that's uh, <laughs> and and we got to give uh, credit to uh, Brendan for that. Yep, <laughs> we got it figured out, Jim. I knew we had well, struggles before, but uh, Brendan's been on top of it for us now. He has been. So thank you, Brendan. Um, you guys mentioned Prudential a while back, and I bought some, and it's been very good to me. And one of the things that you said, uh, Chase, was the forward earnings out in 2022 were like 13 or something like that. And doing a multiple on that brings out at like 215 bucks a share. It's currently at 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. My question for you is the earnings right now are like almost 13, almost like the same now. Why don't Why do you think the stock is selling at 100 now when – on current earnings, it ought to be based on your multiple, two hundred and something. Yeah, well, uh, maybe let, let's take a look at the numbers. I haven't looked at this, I think, in a couple months. I just, I just want to get a, a glimpse of it and, and kind of yeah. see what's oh, occurring, sure. and then we'll, we'll kind of answer that question yep. after we have more details. Yeah, so, so let's go ahead and sure. we'll, we'll start off on what they've done in the past here, and then just do the forward here. So, uh, coming again, it's Prudential Financial symbol P R U. We do see a P.E. ratio of 15.1 versus 11.9. That's kind of on the high side. Our price to sales looks good for Prudential at 0.7 versus 0.9. Price to book value. This is one thing I love about insurance companies. 0.68 versus 0.9. It means you're paying 68 cents on the dollar for the tangible assets of this company. It's just that, I mean, that's just phenomenal. That's why insurance companies, many times, we, we like holding them. We do see on the, the price to cash flow is 13.3. That is above the industry at 10.1. They do pay a, wow, 4.6% dividend. Use 67% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales, unfortunately, year over year, were down 4.6%. Industry up 1.2. Earnings per share for Prudential fell by 7.6. Industry down 8.2. So I want to know why their earnings and sales did fall. We do see on the balance sheet, their insurance company. So total debt to equity is only 36 versus 29. Return on equity, not very good for Prudential, 4.5 versus 6.8. And then net profit margin checks in at 4.7 for Prudential versus 7.6 for the industry. So a little bit shy on that side. Chase, let's look at the earnings now going forward, see where we stand currently. Yeah, so current price here for Prudential, as you said there, Jim, $100.58. It is near its 52-week high of $109.17, especially when you compare that to the 52-week low of $58 a share. Now, again, the numbers haven't changed much over the last month. 2022 estimated earnings still $13.03 would give us that target sell price of $216.30. Now, to answer your question why it's it's not trading higher, um, I can't 
give that exact answer without kind of reading into it. I, I do know the company does life insurance, and I do know there were some issues with life insurance in the middle of COVID where people were, had to stop policies because the payouts and uh, were much more risky than what people were putting into it. So it, it could be something to do with their, their business practices and, and what the long-term trend could be for life insurance. Uh, I don't know enough about the life insurance industry to say, yes, it's a, a great opportunity yeah. to be investing in life insurance. We're not big advocates of life insurance. think that a lot of times people use it as an investment when it should be used as exactly what it is, just life insurance. But that's not as profitable for the Prudentials. They like to sell the other policies yep. that generate higher commissions and so forth. So I, I always am just a little bit hesitant on the life insurance segment just from our beliefs when it comes to finances. I don't know if that's why they get lower multiples. But uh, that, that's all I, I can really speculate at this time. And Jim, I do remember we did a post uh, probably <clears throat> six months ago on life insurance companies having trouble to lower interest rates. Now, this is one thing positive for them going forward is that we do see rates rising because there is insurance companies. I don't know if Prudential is one or not, but they said we're not even going to issue life insurance because we can't justify the expenses based on the return we would get. So that is a positive for these life insurance companies going forward rising interest rates going to be good for them. So that's one thing we're kind of seeing on them. But I, again, we're not big advocates of life insurance. And, and there is a need for life insurance. But I just think sometimes because of the high 50, 60, 80% commissions they pay, sometimes it's sold not as a <laughs> life insurance policy, but as an investment, which it should not be done. But uh, other than that, the company looks, looks okay. Yeah, amen to that, brother. Amen to that. <laughs> my insurance, my insurance. Don't you know, go and invest, invest, but don't yep. make them up. Exactly. Yeah. All right, Jim. All right. Well, thanks for giving it a shot, gentlemen. And, uh, you know, I'll be back next week or two with something else, I'm sure. It's always uh, valuable information and stuff you provide, and I appreciate the pricing. Well, we'll be here, and always a pleasure talking to you. Have a good one. All right. See you, pal. Bye. Bye bye. All right. That opens on the phone line, 866. 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And Chase, I do see we have a couple now for Facebook. So I thought we'd go to Facebook question from Lynn. Wants to know about Rocket Companies Incorporated. I found out the other day this is the old Quicken company is who it is. Do you know if they were Rocket and they bought Quicken or they just changed the name? That I don't know. Somebody, yeah. and I, I think I saw it on TV, and they said Rocket Mortgage, and they were looking at it, and they said, yeah, this used to be the old Quicken. So I don't know if uh, they just changed the name or if they bought Quicken, but we'll look at the numbers here for Lynn on Rocket Companies Incorporated, symbol RKT. A good start, 7.4 versus 12.1. Price of sales, 2 versus 2.5. Unfortunately, price attainable book value, not material versus 3.4 for the industry. But coming back in line again is price to cash flow is 3.1 versus 8.9. That's a very good price to cash flow. I mean, three, gosh, that's, that's pretty darn good. Uh, no, I'm surprised here. No dividend. I, I thought for sure they'd have a dividend. They do not. But here's something that's kind of crazy. Sales year over year up 220% versus the industry up 2.2. But unfortunately, earnings fell by 137 when the issue is up 92.6. And this is one thing I'd want to know. I'm not surprised on the sales being up so much, but I'm surprised that your sales went up that much and you didn't make money. What happened? Could be an accounting thing, but you want to understand before you invest in this company why earnings are down 13% year over year. Again, it's a financial company, so no current ratio. We do see a debt to equity of 4,217 versus 213. Again, financial companies account differently for their uh, debt and so forth. 
We do see return on equity is 15.3 versus 20.9. Net profit margin checks in at, wow, I'm checking this number. That's what it is, 62.8 versus 20.7. Again, a strange number just matching up that the earnings per share were down, but yet they had such a high profit margin. Just strange numbers just don't add up sometimes, and those are warning signs you got to check into. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? There's a current price here for Rocket companies uh ticker symbol again rkt nineteen dollars three cents 52 week high wow forty one dollars and ten cents and a 52 week low well, that's sixteen dollars and twenty two cents i go out to december 2022 i see estimated earnings per share of a dollar 58 would give us a target sell price of 26 dollars and 23 cents well that, that still looks attractive against the current price i would say but i i don't like it I, I'm very concerned about the mortgage market. I, yep. I'm not concerned, again, about a housing crisis or anything like that. But the reason I say I'm concerned about these mortgage companies is what happened last year. How many people refinanced their homes? <laughs> How many more people are there left to refinance, especially if interest rates start to creep back up? I think that market's going to dry up. And I think even the, the purchasing of the homes could slow down as well as if interest rates continue to climb. And Chase, one, sh one thing that we do here, uh, well, we do on Mondays uh, where the Monday numbers at the office for our clients that we can't do here is the trend of those earnings. And I would bet if, anyway, I think they go back, uh, I know we've got five different ones. I think we go back, um, I, are you trying to pull it up right now? I'm talking about, no. no. Okay. I, I think they go back for, I'm going to say six months. Um, and then the tr we like the trend because then you can see the trend going down, going up, staying the same. My, my gut feeling is that this trend has been declining down to that 158 i think it could decline further and this is very important because you talk about you know the refinancing boom and remember those sales were up over 200 percent but earnings were down and i'm thinking gosh this was the best time for the company why don't have the earnings in that maybe that's why their stock's been cut in half but i just don't see this as a good potential going forward at all and i did pull this up for you so the eps trend so this is what the analysts think is going to happen uh, it has declined pretty substantially. I mean, for this year, they were at $2.49. It's now $2.10. And wow. then for next year, they were at $1.79. As I said, it's now $1.59. And to be quite frank, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that estimate goes lower. I, I just, I really think that as this refinance boom mm -hmm. starts to dissipate, I think that these mortgage companies are, are going to have a little bit harder of a time because it's very easy to sell somebody, hey, you have a 7% mortgage rate, and that's a little bit high. What if you refinance that into... 2.9%. Wow, that's phenomenal. <laughs> hey, you've got a 2.5% mortgage rate. What if you refinance it into 3%? Wait a Who minute. Are, what? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, yeah. it doesn't create the same demand, obviously, because nobody would do that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of funny because it used to be that you would not refinance unless you had at least about a 2 to 2.5% 2 margin. I think now I've heard refinancing, maybe because rates are lower, but if somebody had like a 4% mortgage, was worth it to refinance down to 3%. So, yeah. but that's more and more people you've used, which means there's less out there to do it going forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, and, and I've always said, especially for, and I learned this back in, I think it was like the, the 90s, I saw these mortgage brokers like, ah, oh, they're making all kinds of money on how great they go out and buy the Porsches, Mercedes and stuff. And then three years later, they had to sell them because their, their income dropped to sometimes a half, sometimes two thirds. Yeah. And, and it's because it, it is a cyclical business and as an investor, you want to realize that as well. It's not a steady business like a food company mm -hmm. would be. So, so that's one reason why I don't like mortgage companies because they're very cyclical. And yep. if you missed it, it's over.
Sorry to interrupt uh, very quickly, but uh, sure. Quicken Loans developed Rocket Mortgage, and then okay. later on they decided to rebrand as Rocket Mortgage. So uh, that was your answer to the earlier question you had, too, as well. I do kind of like Rocket better than Quicken Loans. Yeah, that's not. It's kind of a cool name. You know? Well, Quicken was I totally old, agree. Old, yeah, yeah, Quicken was the old software package yeah. where it came from. But, Brendan, you never interrupt. We, we appreciate your input, so don't ever think you're interrupting. <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> that information. All right. Uh, phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Is John there? I'm looking at it. it there he is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah, the stock I'm looking at is Otis uh, Worldwide. It was a spinoff from uh, United Technologies. Okay. And do you hold that or look and buy that? I hold it. I, you know, through the spinoff, I have some and was looking to add to my position. Yeah, and I think this is a company, and we'll look at the numbers, but I think this is a company that just is, a, a, I think, a growing company and so forth. I, I think it could be pretty good. I mean, I, you know, the other thing, too, I look at some elevators I write in, like, oh, my gosh, these need to be replaced. So I'm wondering what the replacement is of elevators, because a lot of elevators, they need to be replaced. So let's look at the numbers here on Otis Worldwide Corporation, symbol is O-T-I-S. Uh, not a great start, unfortunately. A P-E ratio of 34.7 versus 35.6. That's pretty expensive. Price to sales, 2.7 versus 3. No price to book value versus 219. And that could be because of the spinoff from United Technologies. Maybe for some reason it just the equity didn't flow through to them. Could have been a lot of goodwill there on the balance sheet. We do see that the price of cash flow is 25.6 versus 18.9. Kind of a disappointing dividend here, 1.2%. They use 33%. They need to pay that out. I wish that was higher. Uh, I'm kind of surprised it's not higher. Uh, sales are only up 1.7% year over year versus a decline of 1.5. Earnings per share did increase by 3.7, but not as good as the industry at 16.6. Look at the balance sheet. We got a current ratio of 1 versus 2. No debt to equity because they have no equity, apparently. We do see no return on equity. We do see a net profit margin of 9.1 versus 8.3. That is good. Receivable turnover is 3.8 versus 5.7. And then inventory turnover, very good, 14.5 versus 3.6. Uh, Chase, what do you got for the uh, earnings going forward? Yeah, so I just pull up. Uh, obviously, I know this company is an elevator, escalator company. It says they do s manufacture, install, and service them in the U.S., China and internationally, so I, I'm curious uh, where their sales breakdown is. How much business do they do in China? Yeah, is what I wonder. Because it China's kind of like that double-edged sword where there's a lot of potential there because there's so many places and people, but also too, how comfortable are they with the government? Right. The thing that also intrigued me here is, of course, they have the installation of it, but they also have the service segment. And service always intrigues me because you generally get that yeah. reoccurring revenue once you install that elevator, that escalator. Well, you need to come back and make sure this is not breaking down. So having that reoccurring revenue could be uh, quite beneficial to the business as well. Uh, looking at the current price, though, for Otis, it's $83.82. The 52-week high here was $84.65, so right near that level. The low, $56.03. Now I go forward to 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $3.14. That would give us a target sell price. Unfortunately, it's just $52.12. So I, I'm not sure how much higher this stock can elevate. Ooh, that was a good one. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because in, in Barron's this morning, it's written up and they have a 
you know, a technician, he's saying he looks for a $95 price target on it. And, you know, to your comment, Chase, they were saying that, um, you know, service is a big part. And then Brent also that um, a lot of the um, the sales were going to come back with the reactivation of the Chinese market. Mm. So, yeah. You know. and, it, and, it's, and we like the company. It just could be like sometimes like uh, the rising tide lifts all boats. I mean, maybe this came up too much now. Um, I think it's a great business yeah. because of all the things we talked about. But sometimes a business mm-hmm. is just too expensive and. Uh, you can't buy it. Uh, sometimes you got to sell it. What, was it a sell? I'm sorry, Jason. Yeah, current price is 82 uh, or 83. Yeah. yeah. Target we have is 52. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so we would sell it and, and maybe buy back someday in the future. But it's just uh, too pricey. And and this the other thing too, John, that can happen with these companies that they're too pricey, and they may go nowhere for years. It can bounce around. We'll say from 70 to 90 mm-hmm. for the next five years. Like gosh, and all you get is that measly one percent dividend. So that's why we don't mm-hmm. like to hold high-priced companies because they may not drop substantially, but may not give right. you a decent return going forward. All righty. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. All right, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye. Okay. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Marcus. Marcus, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand. Chase, how can we help you out? Marcus just hang up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, he just hang up, and I'm putting the numbers in right now. Okay. Well, let's see if we can get that real quick because uh, let's see if it comes up. Because I was kind of curious what this was. Neo, that's the uh, – is that what it is? NIL? Yeah. Is that the Gaming Innovation Group? Oh. Car right. company from China. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then we don't want to talk about that one anyway because <laughs> we don't have any numbers on that one. Yeah, because I, I, I came up with a Gaming Innovation Group. Maybe that is it, though. No, it's Neo Inc. It looks like they are actually, when I put it in, it looks like it pops up in the Cayman Island. I, I don't know if they're headquartered there, or but then you look it up, and it's in China. So I, I'm not yeah. too sure. The numbers are, are looking kind of kind of strange there. And then and that and I was thinking that's not the one I was thinking of. There's another one that I think just came out with terrible problems, but it wasn't me. Oh, it is Didi Shishing. That, that's yeah. their um, yeah. ride hailing. So that's like their Uber and Lyft competitor or version, I guess, okay. in China. Yeah. Neo's like a, um electric car manufacturer that's the potential Tesla competitor. Tesla. What? A competitor for Tesla? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Almost made it, Brendan. Sorry. You know, and we're not technicians. We don't follow the, follow the technicals. But somebody said, and this was something I watched um, uh, this past week, and something about the, the, what they call it, the death cross, where the 50-day cross is the 200-day or something, and that happened to Tesla before, and it dropped like 50%. And they said if it were to happen to Tesla now, it would go down to like 255. And again, we don't follow technicals, but I was just kind of curious because we've said it's overpriced. So, so now you have the technician saying it's a sell. We've been saying it's a sell because yeah, fundamentals. Yeah. yeah, so it's just like, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens to Tesla. That, that would be quite... Uh, Frightening that could actually scale a lot of the market and these other high flyers as well. Yeah. So, all right. Phone number is 866 577 2473. That's 866 577 2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Jairus, see what he wants to talk about. Jairus, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Brett, Chase, uh, thank you for, for your service here on Saturday mornings. Appreciate it. Uh, I'm calling about. Uh, a company, uh, I, I kind of look at them as a, 
a metal collectibles company and property and personal security, otherwise known as Smith & Wesson. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm like, where are you going with this one? <laughs> Do you hold that to Jairus or look at buying it? You know what? Um, after last year's elections, I decided, okay, January 20th, good time to buy some Smith & Wesson. So that's when I pick some up and doing pretty good so far. Just want to see what the numbers look like going ahead. Yep, yep. And again, another uh, company in the uh, demand, high demand area, shortage of guns and ammo. So let's take a look at the Smith & Wesson Brands Incorporated symbol. I'm surprised at the symbol. SWBI. I'm not sure what the BI stands for, but anyways, a great start here. PE ratio 6.5. That's well below the industry at 30.2. Price to sales 1.3 versus 2.2. Price to book value 5.7 versus 20.5. Then price to cash flow checks end up 5 versus 16.6. So valuation ratios of Smith and Wesson still looking very attractive. Now they pay a 1.1% dividend. And they only use 3% that earnings to pay that out. So I would like to see that uh, increase that dividend. They got a lot of room to do that. Looking at the uh, growth rates, sales are up 99.9% versus 31 for the industry. Smith & Wesson earnings were up by 787 versus 232 for the industry. So again, I'm kind of comparing that to that other company we looked at, Powell, uh, the ammo company. This company has a growth on the sales and the earnings, which I'm glad to see. And obviously a much bigger company. We, we know that too. Uh, the balance sheet, current ratio 2.1 versus 1.8. Debt to equity 15 versus 52, but I'm still happy with that return. Uh, that debt to equity is very good, 15 50 versus 52. You can't beat that. Uh, return on equity is, wow, 74 versus 27. Net profit margin checks in at 23, well above the industry at 7.1. And then receivable turnover 16.5 versus 13.7 and inventory turnover 6.7 versus 5.2. And I don't think I found one bad number compared to the industry. So I'm kind of excited about what you're going to see in the earnings going forward on Smith & Wesson, Chase. Yeah, so current price here for Smith & Wesson brands is $28.89. 52-week high, well, that's $39.61. And the 52-week low, well, $14.50. Now go out to April 2023. Unfortunately, I see estimated earnings per share of just $1.90. It does give us a target sell price of $31.54, so it's still above the current price. But I say unfortunately because this year, wow, I mean, they're estimated to make $4.23. I mean, that's a, a huge decline. And, and the thing I will point out is this year they do have about four analysts where 2023, and I'm saying this year is in this fiscal year, not this calendar year. But they only have two analysts in 2023 versus four in 2022, which could be a reason for the mm -hmm. large drop. But I, I don't know. That worries me. And I, I, I'm not sure if there was a kind of like we talked about the ammo company, a, a huge buildup where everybody, you know, kind of front loaded that demand. And now they're saying, well, the demand for it, it's all kind of dried up in 2023. So that, that, that does concern me a little bit there, Jairus. And also, too, I kind of looked at the past earnings, Chase. I mean, they did earn $4.54 in April of 2021, but April of 2020, only $0.82. Cents. Yeah. So they could be going that this is one of those spikes where everybody's buying guns and ammunition and so forth, which now the analysts could be saying, well, by April of 2023, it's not going to be the same thing. Everybody that wants a gun has one pretty much, so the sales will go back more to normal. So yeah, that, that. That, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking maybe we're getting to a point where it's going to peak, 
Uh, I know uh, in my household, we we took care of business, you know, within right. the last six months. <laughs> so uh, um, uh, maybe that's that's why I was calling because I think, you know, after hearing what your your uh, analysts on the POWW, I go, oh, maybe maybe this is going to be the same. So, anyways, appreciate appreciate very much uh, the analysis, and I uh, uh, just want to give a shout out to Chase on, on the. Uh, the charity he's got going that's that's terrific work uh my wife and i also have a charity for orphan kids and awesome. you know uh that's good stuff to do and i'm going to look into the uh the golf tournament and see if i can rile up a couple guys from work we'd love to see you there yeah we know you'd be awesome yeah, we'd like to see a lot of listeners that we hear on the radio we'd love to see him at the, the golf tournament that'd be, that'd be great yeah so jarvis hopefully you can make it all right guys thank you so much have a great saturday all right you too bye-bye chase what was the target sell price again on uh Smith and Wesson. It's about you, thirty-one. Oh, thirty. Okay, because I thought maybe you uh, still had up. Yeah, because I know their highest was like thirty-nine, so they're very close to being sold. I, I think I would take that opportunity on a company like this. So, all right, phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And if you listen to the show and say, "Gosh, I understand some of the things they're talking about, some things I don't understand," uh, what are they talking about? Well, that's another reason why we do the, the workshop on uh, coming up Thursday, July 22nd in Scripps Ranch. It is a free workshop. We're going to go over all these numbers for you. We're going to talk about the financial statements. We're going to talk about the, the earnings going forward. All these things we do when we analyze companies for our own portfolio. That's what we do in the workshop. We share with you and we help educate you on that. And also to try to help you avoid mistakes that you've maybe made in the past. We don't want you making them in the future. So this is what the workshop's about to make you a smarter investor. It is free, but you have to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Look for Brianna. She'll get you signed up. And we'll see you on Thursday, July 26th and 6 o'clock in Scripps Ranch. All righty. Let's go back to the phones here. Let's go out. Up, up to Oceanside and speak with Joe. Joe, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, Brent and Chase. Hey, I, I just wanted to kind of let your listeners know about, you know, I just had some stock transfer ordered up. You know, you said Charles uh, Charles Schwab, but TD Ameritrade, didn't TD Ameritrade buy Charles Schwab? They just haven't, I guess, finalized it. Actually, it's reversed. Yeah, reversed. Charles Schwab oh. bought uh, TD Ameritrade. Okay, got it. And yeah, anyway, they had some, uh, <clears throat> you know, stocks uh, transfer over to TD Ameritrade and, uh, and they, you know, they have to, punch in the cost basis you know i just send them the information they punch it in it's pretty simple and uh, but they got it wrong you know <laughs> and, got, and so i'm just they got it wrong you said oh yeah they got it wrong i had to call up and i had to <laughs> show them. i said hey they, they must have fudged the numbers because how else could they come up with the, the, the exact same stock price or amount of stock but they punched in like the wrong you know shares ah. so that's impossible yeah. and so so, and I proved it to her by showing her, you know, in the cost basis that they that they gave me and, and the papers I sent them. And she goes, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll fix this. I'll fix this to you right today, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she, and she did. But um, I just want your listeners to know they have to keep checking up on, uh, you know, when they do stuff like that because it happens. We've seen it and, before um, as well. Yeah, the cost basis, you're still responsible for it. I mean, we've had clients in the past where it's like, these are just facetious numbers, but, you know, I sold it at forty and I bought it at four. There's no way that's possible, and right. it's because yeah, the cost basis was wrong. So, are you, um, yeah, are you, I, are you saying I'm responsible? Are you saying I'm responsible for it? Or well, when you report your taxes, you do got to make sure that the the custodian didn't put it correctly. 
Yeah, because you, <laughs> yeah, you can't go back to the IRS and say, well, it's not my fault, it's Charles Schwab. They say, no, it's your account, you're responsible for it, yeah. Wow, isn't that crazy? That you have, yeah, but anyways, you have to, you have to double-check your stuff, I guess. Yep. Yes. And, um, and, and, and Chase, you were mentioning earlier about, uh, yeah, you mentioned Rocket Mortgage in particular, about, uh, and, and that, um, you know, I can neither confirm or deny <laughs> that's the company I'm talking about. But, uh, but yeah, I know someone that works for a company like that, and, um, and that's, exact, that's exactly what they're doing. They're, um, they're, they're trying to sell people higher interest rates than what they have. And how do they, how do, they do that and sell that? Joe, no. Are you, are you serious? I mean, somebody's saying, gosh, refinance your 3% mortgage or your 2.5% mortgage to 3 Is that really being done, you think? I mean, that's it, the only thing I can think of here, Joe, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is yeah, a cash out where if you have equity in your home, and let's just keep it simple. You, you have a, a interest rate of three percent, and now it's three point two five percent. But if you have two hundred thousand dollars of, of, I'm just gonna say, dead money in your home that, that you have equity in, is saying, well, hey, if you can take that money out and invest it, yeah, your interest rate goes up to three and a quarter, but it, you could have better returns investing it. I'm not saying I recommend to do that, but that's really the only time I think I could see somebody justifying a higher interest rate. And one thing I don't recommend for people, which is that they say, you know, and this is, I'm not, I don't want to pick on mortgage brokers, but there's some out there that say, well, take that money, invest it back in your home, and you're, you're increasing the value of your home, which is not true because I think the best investment they say in a remodel is like your kitchen and bath. But even that, I believe, only adds in like 75%. It's not like, oh, you, you, you put $50,000 in remodel, and now your home is worth 75000 more. No, it's worth like thirty-five thousand more. So you got to be very careful out there. And and I hate to see someone, you know, reduce their equity in their home, to, you know, especially the higher interest rate. And you're right, not invest the money, but do something. And there's even people pay off debts. Another one that, that bothers me as well because that debt somehow materializes again five years yeah. down the road. So, but uh, yeah, Joe, I, I I am surprised to hear that, but I guess it is it is true. So yeah, I mean, I know, I know this person pretty well, and. Uh, yeah, I, I was just, I was like on the face of it, that just, I'm thinking like, well, then how does this work? How are they pitching it? You know, how are they making it sound good uh, for something to do like that? Um, yeah. Well, well, hopefully none of our listeners on the show would, would do that because financially it doesn't make sense. It's more of an emotional type thing. And unfortunately, there's a lot of emotional people out there and they'll do it, you know, just like, oh yeah, that'd be great. I, I can get $50,000. Yeah, let's do it. And my payment line goes up by $100. Yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> you know, so not thinking long term, unfortunately. For 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And they figure out what that 50000 costs. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, so. But yeah, yeah. Thanks I, for, I, I didn't really have I didn't really have a symbol. I mean, I could throw one out if you want, but I mean, no, this company fine. just came out this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, that's fine because again, the Smart Investing Show is to try to help make people smarter investors overall. And what we're trying to say here is like, do not refinance at a higher rate. I think that's a pretty common. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, yeah, Joe. So I, that's all I was doing. I was just kind of wanted to form, you know. So. Oh, we we appreciate that. We appreciate you being there. So. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, Joe. Have a good one. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. And I do want to add the caveat that it could make sense. <laughs> not a, I'm not going to say it's 100% of the time it doesn't make sense to refinance at a higher rate, but I'd say about 99% of the, the time it does not. I, I suppose if you were to invest it wisely in something else yep. and look down the road longer term, yeah. Because if you if you are going to, I'll just pick on that $50,000 and use that for investment, you went from 25 to 3% but yet you earned over the next 10 years, you earned again, 6%. Well, you've doubled what you were doing. So that would make sense. But unfortunately, I 
think most of the time it's an emotional type thing is what people And I don't think a lot of people have the emotional fortitude to do it correctly because over the next 30 years, I do think that 50000 that we've been kind of discussing could be worth more outside of your home than if you kept it in your home. But I think a lot of people, they, they panic. If you, if you sell at the wrong times and, oh, it's down, now I took off this debt, and then you sell and now you lock in losses. I mean, I just think a lot of people don't have the capability of staying the course, especially with the money that was in their home that was kind of, I'm going to say, guaranteed for them. Right. And I, 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 I think I could do it. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people just, as I said, don't have the emotional fortitude to do it. So I think it's kind of the wrong thing to do for many people. It does take financial discipline to do. And, and actually, the, the reason why, and again, our, our investors in our you know, company that invest with us and so forth, I think they have better emotional uh, parameters because of the fact that we talk about what we do. We do our client events for them. We, we, we keep them informed. And that's the good part. But when things go crazy, which they will, I mean, there's going to be a time when the economy goes down and, and all of a sudden things don't look right and, and maybe you lose your job and you can't afford that payment, you're going to do the wrong thing emotionally. Uh, so it's very hard to do it. And again, you and I have that capability because I, I've been doing this for 42 years. Um, I did panic in the beginning when I was like in 87, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is crazy. And then uh, now, like when things happen, like, well, we own businesses. I'm, I'm fine. I, I know that we bought the right business at the right price, got a good balance sheet. It will come back. So we don't panic, but somebody could panic. At yeah. That. I mean, as you said, you, you sold your home last year and you invested yeah. the full proceeds and you're renting. I, I think there's some people that if you panic right. and now you had an asset and now you panic and you, you sell, well, now you lost money. Right. And, and it's just. Right. You have to understand that it's a long-term investment. I think a lot of times people they they just don't aren't capable of it. I guess. No, and I, I I could tell people that anybody can become a millionaire if they did two things that we do wrong. One, we always upgrade our house. If you bought just a normal house, you know, I don't know, fifteen hundred square feet, didn't you know, remodel it, didn't do all this stuff, didn't upgrade every time. And you bought a reasonable car, didn't go out and buy a Lamborghini or something else, you would do very well long term. You would definitely be a millionaire if you put your money away and you put it into your 401k, got the match, everything else. The thing is, our emotions come in like, well, gosh, this 1,500 square foot house, I want that one down the block. Or <laughs> I want the new Cadillac. You know, I mean, it's just. Well, what fun is that? Then the economy well, is going to tank because nobody's going to be spending money. So. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> so I, it all comes down to balance at the end of the day. You know, you, yeah. you got to make sure you, your financials are taken care of first, yeah. and then you can spend money to, to do the upgrades. Because that, right. that's the thing I tell people, too. If you look at your home, I just get irritated. Oh, my home's such a great investment. Well, a lot of times it's not an investment. If you want that nice pool, great, that's yeah. awesome. If you want that nice, great, that's awesome. But you have to have the financial capability to do so. Right. Don't sell yourself on the fact that it's an investment. That's right. just not the case many times. And the other rule that I have had for many, many years is that take 15% of what you make, put that away, and the rest you can spend on whatever you want to spend it on. And especially if you have an employer that's matching your 401k, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And you can have the nicer cars, you can have the nicer home. But just make sure you take that 15% first and invest that. Don't say, well, I'll do that later. And that, yep. that won't happen. All right. Uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. And Chase, you know, we're talking here. I, I do want to mention again about the workshop. It is coming up on uh, Thursday, July 22nd 
at this workshop, we really show you everything we do in our office. We talk about our clients, how they don't panic and so forth. We're going to show you why they don't panic because we talk about the fundamentals. We talk about investing in businesses. We show you all the financial statements, how we do this and so forth. It is a free workshop. What you have to do, you have to sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Check for Brianna to get you signed up. I look forward to seeing you on Thursday, July 22nd, 6 p.m. at our office in Scripps Ranch. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Rose. Rose, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys. I wanted to know what you thought of Aflac. Uh, symbol is A is in Apple, F is in Frank, L is in Lucky. Insurance company, they pay a nice dividend. So wanted to get your opinion, and I do not own it. Okay. Thinking about owning it, but not sure. Yep, I was going to ask if you own it, so obviously don't look at buying it. Uh, the thing, too, is they're very well known for that duck. The Aflac duck. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, I saw That's the first AFL. thing that pops in my head. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And I saw Aflac duck. That's what I think. It's so very good marketing. Aflac. <laughs> <laughs> That's the cutest commercial. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's take a look at Aflac Incorporated. Symbol is AFL. Great start here, Rose. PE ratio 6.9 versus 11.9. Price to sales 1.6 versus 0.9. Price to book value 1.1 versus 0.93. And no price of cash flow surprises me for Aflac versus 10.1 for the industry. And you're right, they do have a nice dividend of 2.5% and only use 19% of their earnings to pay that out. So I like seeing that. We do see sales are up 4.6% year over year above the industry at 1.3. We do see earnings per share are up by 95.9% when the industry is down 8.2. Uh, it is a financial company, so no current ratio. Debt to equity 24 versus 29. Return on equity for Aflac is 18.8 versus 6.8. Net profit margin, 24.1 versus 7.6. Uh, no receivable, no inventory turnover chase. What do you got for earnings going forward? Before I look at this, I, I just want to kind of talk about the company a little bit. It And they're a little bit different of an insurance company. I mean, they're not really property casualty where they're insuring your cars and home. They're more like a, a workers' comp type insurance, mm-hmm. correct? And I'm trying to determine if I like that going forward or I don't like that because we're still well below where we were in terms right. of jobs last year or last February, I should put it, but we're continuing to climb. So I'm trying to determine if that's going to be beneficial or not beneficial to Affleck. You know, that's going to hold the comments till end, but since you started that, we're going to kind of just do that real yeah. quick because I, I kind of had the same feeling because one type of insurance company that got, is getting hammered are those that did the long-term care insurance. Yeah. It really hurt them because people were living longer than they thought. I'm seeing more people, unfortunately, go on workers' comp and disability and so forth, which worries me because the, 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 the and we actually know a judge who says that people are a little bit more lenient in the courts and letting people go on disability, which is going to hurt companies like Aflac. And, and you'd really have to understand their business a little bit more how they do that. But these are just general concerns I'd want to know the answers to before I said, yes, let's buy it. Because I yeah. like the insurance company concept. I'm worried about what they insure. And our, our friend that's a judge, it, it was interesting, too, because he, he was a little stricter, but he said... A you lot could stricter. Re- yeah, it was a lot stricter. <laughs> and you could go back, refile, and get the lenient judge. So he could just keep coming back, refiling, refiling. It's like every six ago. months or something, too, yeah. to go back. Yeah. yeah. So the point is, um, you know, I, I, I want to understand more about this company. I do think it is interesting, Rosa. I'm not saying yes or no on it, but I like the fact that it's in a different type of insurance company because we already have a, a property casualty insurance company in our portfolio. Right. 
but I I don't we don't have any co- insurance company like this, and we like insurance companies because yeah. they're great cash flow generators. And I mean, if I look at the numbers here, they look pretty good. I'll, I'll give them to you right now. Aflac's current price fifty three dollars thirty five cents, fifty two week high. Well, it's fifty seven dollars fifty seven cents, and fifty two week low is thirty three dollars and thirty seven cents. Now I got to December two thousand twenty two. I see estimated earnings per share of five dollars and fourteen cents. So it would give us a target sell price of eighty five dollars and thirty two cents. I said the valuation on this company—they're phenomenal. I like the duck, right? And I, I, I like that it's different. <laughs> I just want to kind of conceptualize a little bit more. I want to think about and how this is going to impact the company. And what's the target sell price again? Eighty-five. Eighty-five. Yeah. So, so everything kind of checks good here. Uh, but Rose, before you got into it again, you really want to understand what they do, and, and maybe they do other things that yeah. uh, we all know that they do the disability and stuff, but may have other businesses, maybe a reinsurance business or something. But uh, I think it's worth the research because I like the company. Got a nice dividend. You've got good balance sheet. Everything's good in this company, but you really got to understand stopped, the product. Go ahead. What stopped me from buying it was the earnings for 2021 were 519 and 2022, 514. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like you said, um, you know, is that because they've got uh, more policies that they have to pay on because of disability you know why is the earnings going down it's a few cents but still yeah yeah and and, and that could be the the analyst i'm looking here you got to 12 for well 12 for both years uh you go out to 2023 there's only five analysts um but i did look go back to 2019 it was four dollars and 44 cents so yeah. Things are moving in the right direction. And and generally, we like to see earnings go up every year, but we know right. that's not the reality. We know businesses do fluctuate. So we'll also look at kind of the longer-term earnings growth. And, you know, uh, one year we'd love to see it go from 519, let's say, to 525 right. even. But sometimes you're going to mm-hmm. have a pullback in the earnings. I wouldn't say that would completely knock me out of this company, but okay. you're right to question it, and you're right to say, well, why is this happening? Is it a longer-term problem? And that's where I think you'd maybe find some more information or likely find some more information in a conference calls and, and the, the SEC filings there. And the other thing, too, mm-hmm. we, we talked earlier in the show about the trend of the earnings. You might see that because 2021 is closer, those those earnings could be rising where they're not rising 2022 yet. So look at the trend. They go back 90 days. That's how long the trend goes yep. backward. Three months. Three months, yeah. All right, Rose. Thank you so much. All right, thanks for calling. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, gosh, we didn't get to John and Santee on NVIDIA. I want to talk about that. But John Colin next week will be here. Uh, gosh, great uh, great show. A lot of great listeners. I want to say, too, we didn't get a Jason on Facebook. He wanted to talk about Krispy Kreme is that oh, ticker symbol. shoot. I wish yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I saw. You know, I saw D-Nut. I thought, what is that? But Donut. Obviously. Donut, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jason, make sure you put that for us next week. Jason's pretty good about following up. Yeah, Jason's good. Yeah, he follows us closely. I know he tells all his friends about us as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, there's the closing bell. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational person only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information along with investing tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters Refinitiv. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by a local entertainer, Roman Palacios. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show.
This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.